0: Are you actively making new connections to grow your music career? Have you made it a point to attend conferences and events to build your Rolodex? That's what we're gonna be looking at in this episode of the New Music Industry Podcast. With the owner and CEO of Indie Week and director of market development Canada for CD Baby, Daryl Hers. How are you doing today, Daryl?
1: Really good. Thank you for having me here. I'm uh, looking forward to our chat.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining me. So, as I understand it, the Indie Week conference has been held in Toronto for the last 19 years now. In Toronto, and for what I assume are relatively obvious reasons, you've taken the conference online. I would love for you to share about the beginnings and evolution of Indie Week over the years.
1: Well, wow. uh, it's it's kind of crazy to think it's been that many years. It, it seems like a blink yeah. of the eye, I tell you the truth. Um, really, at the start, it, it was a need, I felt, for emerging artists to have a platform to present their music, but also to learn about the business, to connect with people in the business, and try to elevate their careers. And oddly enough, here we are, like 19, 20 years later, and it's still much needed and and if not more so because there's more things to learn about than ever before um but that was really the inspiration and uh in you know being in toronto toronto was like a really thriving market at that time you know still is but it's just was you know a little bit different less techie like the, the internet wasn't around as much and and such but uh um You know, it was the kind of thing that Toronto has always had great talent and we wanted to be able to showcase that. And then throughout the years, we started having international artists come and play in Toronto for us and that grew. So our last in-person one, I think it was almost 240 bands from around the world uh, representing almost 40 countries. Um, So it was really interesting to see that, you know, Take it from a small, like Toronto-based festival to very international, and then build out the conference mm. to be a three, four-day conference, and having some pretty uh, respected speakers participate and companies. So you know it's been a, it's been a, an interesting growth, and you know along the way we had Indie Week in Ireland for six years, and we moved it to the UK, did that for four years. And then Brexit happened and we just thought probably don't want to mess with that because it was looking a little scary. So, so we just focused on need to be Canada. Uh, But we've done partnerships with other festivals and conferences and have presented artists in a lot of different countries like uh, UK, uh, Wales, um, Scotland, and uh, Brazil. And we're now online talking to uh, conferences in Taiwan, Peru, Chile, mexico brazil spain and being online has allowed us to kind of be more international than ever before so uh it's kind of given that renewed spark and growth so i'm really excited
0: that's excellent you know and there's a couple of things i'd love to add on there but i I agree you know there's never been a greater need for something like this the music industry is always evolving and changing and it's almost I don't know if broken is the right word. It's just been sort of difficult and, and siloed in different pieces. And it's kind of been that way, if, you know, ever since this digital evolution thing has happened. So, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I do what I do. I have published over 300 podcasts today, over a thousand articles, over five books as well. And it's all to educate and help musicians understand this whole music business thing.
1: Absolutely. If I could comment though, you're right. Broken. That was a, a really key word there. And, you know, there was record label deals up to not too long ago that included a percentage held back from artists that was for CD breakages and there's not even physical product anymore, but that was still a clause in a lot of the contracts that artists didn't even know about. And, 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 there's a lot of things that are grandfathered in where it's the template of a contract that they start with. And if they don't cross it off, it's still there. So, so there are a lot Mm -hmm. of things. So as we've gone to be more digital, there's still things that are just doesn't make sense anymore to, to have in there. And, and, you know, there's, it, it's kind of rampant in this industry. Unfortunately, the the word broken, uh, I think can be thrown around a fair bit um you know and currently people are obviously talking about how artists uh are recouping royalties online uh because that's the big push uh, a live performance mm-hmm. online how do you get paid royalties for it you know so so there's a lot of talks going on
0: yeah no i love your comment and, and understandably so the other part that sort of interested me was you know starting in toronto and then going international what was that like was this like nerve wracking to scale, to expand, to start looking at who needs to be over there and, and when
1: uh, it, it, well, it was organic. Um, hmm. When, when artists started submitting from other countries uh, you know, it, it was interesting that we would sometimes like post, like early days we're posting the applications. This is a Toronto conference or festival, sorry, at that time or Canadian festival, but yet international artists would still apply. And, and some of them were like, so good. We're like, we need this artist to play because they are so good. Um, and so we started accepting international artists. And once other international artists started seeing that, they started applying. And so our applications grew and, and, and quality as well. A lot more to choose from. Um, it was really exciting. And as far as us hosting events, Ireland was the first international place. And it literally was because we had an uh, Irish artist play and they were voted the best of the fest. They were amazing. Mm. And I actually ended up managing them for almost three years. And so no kidding. through managing them, I was in Ireland a fair bit. And they were like, why don't we have an Indie, indie Week here? So we did a one-time showcase kind of thing. And then uh, that kind of turned into talks of we should do a, like three, four-day events so we did that and, uh, we were then approached by like, we were hosting it first in multiple cities and then in Dublin. And then we were actually approached by somebody from arts council, Limerick to say, they'll give us funding to move it to Limerick. So we actually raised a a sizable amount of money to host it in Limerick the last time we were there. Um, so it, it, it was all organic. And, and it was good to see. And, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, developing an indie band, but we were developing an indie festival.
0: What were some of the challenges of taking your conference online? I'm sure it's not quite as straightforward as as people would expect.
1: Yeah, yeah you know, it was interesting because uh, I'm looking at my calendar or top part of my screen here. It says July 7th, which is actually the one year anniversary to the date where we had our first online session we started these indie weekly sessions uh, yes just a free zoom and and it was kind of like last year was really devastating we lost contracts when things got locked down which was like cash flow and uh we didn't get a grant last year because there wasn't a grant to apply for so we lost that Uh, we were not going to do anything. We actually canceled Indie Week at the very start of the lockdown. We're like, no, this isn't. like. I didn't want to wait for all the other conferences to change the date to be around our dates and then for us to change dates to cancel dates, which I saw a lot of other conferences do where they just kept adjusting the dates until they finally just canceled it. Um, yeah. So we canceled first and then... Started looking at options. Can we do this online? And can we pull it off? And one of the parts is, well, let's do a Zoom session and see what that's about. And so we just announced it. And I remember our first Zoom Zoom session. I think thirty-four people showed up, and but we got through it. It was cool. Feedback was awesome. And and so we're like, okay, we're doing it every week. And it grew. And uh, it was our way to do the marketing for the conference because we announced the dates of the conference online without any speakers, without a schedule, without sponsor. We just said we're doing it on those dates. And until then we're doing these Zoom sessions. And we gained confidence by doing a session online every week, like we got experience of what worked, what didn't, um, you know, how to talk and present and stuff. And uh, by the time we did the conference, uh, it, it was really successful and way better than we had anticipated. Like, it's it's interesting to do something one way for like 18 years and then just all of a sudden, let's do it completely the opposite way in a way you have no experience in. <laughs> no. So, uh, you know, we were going into it with, you know, a, a different mindset and Uh, The results were overwhelmingly positive. And so we've decided to jump full on into this online world. And and we're really happy we did.
0: And you mentioned Indie Weekly. What sort of talks are you having? It sounds like a bit of a commitment to try to organize something that often.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Because uh, it's funny, I kind of joke like, we canceled everything, and I'm, I was actually kind of looking forward to a full year off, nice and calm mm. year for once. Uh, instead, we're busier than we've ever been before because we are doing something every week online. Um, yeah. We've t- covered topics from publishing, distribution, royalties, live streaming. Uh, we've done NFTs marketing, you, you kind of like when you're doing every week, it kind of allows you to kind of cover the gamut and it's, it's really super cool. Um, and what I've sort of found is the pressure is kind of off cause we're doing it every week. You get more comfortable with it. And it's actually just a lot more fun. We're connecting with people and, and it's a people business and, um, the whole music business is a people business. And the phrase we kind of use is people add value and you have to put your efforts in if you want to expect anything back. So we're actually putting all efforts in with no expectations. And in doing that, the positive reaction is, is really surprising and welcoming because you know, it is still fairly new to us. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for, for where the direction is going. I see
0: that Rick Barker is doing some sessions as, as I, you know, we, record this now, uh, it probably will have already happened by the time listeners hear this, but, uh, there's somebody that I have a friendly rivalry with and I will say friendly emphasize that part.
1: <laughs> yeah. Rick, but uh, Rick's, Rick's awesome. Yeah. Rick is awesome. We did our first session yesterday. It was great. Um, and we've got two more to go, uh, one other thing that we did last year was we, we did a few mentorship sessions, which is really education-focused. And so to kind of get back to the community, we've hired Rick, and we're doing these sessions for free. So it doesn't cost anybody wow. anything to attend. Um, Huge. Yeah, and it's really about uh, giving back to the community. But we looked at it as one of the results since we started Indie Weekly is – some of the same people started showing up every week. So, and then it started going to every conference. And so we've actually built this online community that really participates in everything. And and we wanted to kind of give something back. And, you know, the, the main focus is a positive message that in actuality during this weird time, it's, a good time to be a musician it's a good time to create music it's a great time to put it out there because there's so many places for people to discover your music and so many different ways even though some of them may be sort of small percentages but it all adds up as many ways to make money from your music now you know when Mm -hmm. when i was in the biz there was no youtube content id There was no Facebook ads for me to get people to discover my music. Uh, Basically, when I was in a band, you were really lucky if you could get on community radio. Commercial radio probably wasn't an option. You could barely get it into a store unless it was on consignment. You had to actually go out and play. And that was the only way people discovered your music as an indie artist. So... So we're very excited about this space. We think uh, DIY emerging artists, the power is in their hands more than ever before. And record yeah. labels, you, they're not needed as much. And And the tools are out there for an artist to make a business that can be successful. So I'm super excited about it.
0: Yeah, I want to come back to that comment about all the tools being there. But I couldn't help but notice a little bit of a parallel. You have the Indie Week. I co-founded what's called the Indie YYC. Right, It's actually a creative community, and we used to do events in person and now it's all online and yyc is calgary so it was fairly localized but since covid we've mostly taken our content online so of course that actually has given us the opportunity to expand you know regionally and internationally in some ways as well so <laughs> that's actually really kind of a cool side effect of, of what has unfolded
1: it's so true and, and the one thing that I, I need to sort of bring up that was bit of like the after result that when we were able to look at the data and who attended um, and some of the comments that people gave back through surveys is one, people said, I've always wanted to go, but I couldn't afford a flight to Toronto. So now anyone right. can watch it online. Um, secondly, I couldn't take time off work. And so we were seeing people on social put photos up of two computers they're like I'm at work listening to Indie Week so people didn't have to leave work to still uh hear the discussions that were going on um three we record everything and so people who attend the conference can get access to the recordings for up to 6 months after the conference so you know if a session is happening at the same time as another you could still hear both Uh, If you weren't able to make it at a time, you can go back at any time. Um, But two really important parts on top of that was um, people with accessibility issues that might not be able to actually attend physically, it's opened up to them. And and that was really cool to see. Uh, And we've been able to connect with that audience more so than ever before. And then... The age range, so in some cases, maybe you had to be 19 plus to attend in a certain venue. Now any age. And so we've seen our age demographic increase in both younger audiences and older. I, we had people commenting like, I'm a 75 year old songwriter that still releases music. And that was inspiring because again, They can because of the tools and they can because of Mm -hmm. the digital age. So, uh, yeah, we're very excited in in being able to connect with audiences like we've never been able to before.
0: What's really interesting about what you said about accessibility is we also had people watching our live streams before we actually went online and, and they were enjoying that from the comfort of their home. We didn't have quality gear or anything like that. It was literally set up a smartphone on top of a couch and trust that the Wi-Fi is going to work out. And sometimes we got complaints, but you know, at least we could still broadcast to people who, who are interested. So that was a pretty cool part about it. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: That, that's really so, cool.
0: yeah, it was super cool. I've talked to enough people to know that creating and hosting events is quite extensive. I actually had Kevin Bruner, Senior Vice President CD Baby on the show to talk a little about the inner workings of the DIY Musician Conference. And he shared a lot of juicy details on that show. But of course, as we referenced earlier, in addition to Indie Week, you're also the Director of Marketing Development for CD Baby in Canada. Is that a complementary role to what you're already doing?
1: Absolutely. Um, Nice. You know you mentioned the DIY conference. One of the big pillars of what CD baby does is focus on educate, educating DIY artists. They've got the DIY blog, the DIY podcast. So when I was initial talks with CD baby, it just made perfect sense. You know, the indie community um, that we work with is that DIY audience. And so uh, with Indie week, we've been able to work on a lot of educational platforms like in like doing the indie weekly series and such. Um, so we're really talking to a lot of the same audience and, uh, if anything, by having both those, uh, you know, uh, systems or companies working together, it just means we're empowered even more so and, and are helping more artists and, yeah, I've got to say that you know CD Baby from day one of me working with them, and it's just over two years now. Um, the messages have always been consistent. If it's good for mm. the artist, do it. If it helps mm. empower the artist, do it. And and so nice. um, yeah, it's it's very much aligned in value first, and and that was something that was really important to me.
0: I'm curious to know what have you discovered about music distribution in Canada? You know, CD baby seems fairly ubiquitous to me, but I still talk to artists who either don't know about music distri- distribution or are a little wary of putting their music out there. So what are some findings?
1: Uh, almost exactly what you just said. Uh, <laughs> there's still some artists that, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think there's a like Canada, we're an interesting country as you know, we're still discovering yeah. things, but, uh, You know, if you look at what the West Coast is about, what the prairies are about, what Quebec is about, what Ontario is about, what the East Coast is about, what the North is about, and within there, there's different communities, it's so diverse, and it's diverse in how they present music. Um, You know, I was out East, and I went to a Cayley, which is in the hall in the middle of nowhere but people from the towns in every direction come and it's very live and in person. And there's other areas like I was in Whitehorse for a conference and um, I'm from Alberta so so I've been kind of most places hmm. of the country And I find that there's these pockets where online isn't really, as huge of an interest to them as opposed to making a real personal connection. Like, wow. and, and so the online can be daunting for some artists and it can be, yes, um, mysterious in, in how to use online to connect to fans because they're so used to in person. And so a lot of what I do is try to educate artists on how to t- first take the fear away and, and gain confidence that they can do it, you know, um, it, it's really important. And because and a, a lot of times when I'm talking to artists, the, one of the first thing is they're just looking for help and somebody that can help them. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest things, you know, get the fear gone, gain some confidence, try things. And, and it's okay to Try stuff and not necessarily get the results right away. It, you got to kind of try again and again and adjust a little bit. Uh, yeah. So patience is another thing to try to uh, impress on a lot of a lot of people because online takes a lot of patience. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how it is. So. Uh, it really, it really
0: does. Yeah. I was listening to Neil Patel and Eric Sue, and you know they're serial entrepreneurs. They're constantly launching new things, and their assertion was basically that every business takes three years to get legs. You know, doesn't matter how good of a partnership you have, how many marketing channels you have, how well positioned your business is in the market, it still takes three years to to really grow its legs.
1: It was sometimes. 10 years, you know, and I'll be honest. I agree. F- for us, it took us about 10 years to kind of like really get a solid base. Um, because the one thing to, to think about is, and it's just human nature, we compare things to what we know. And and so if you say, here's a new thing, they're going to go, oh, so it's like this other thing. And you got to change that perspective to say, no, it. this is the unique experience you know and and that's what brand building is is to be able to di- differentiate yourself from others within the same competitive space and that takes a lot of time and a real prime example is i was a booker booker for a venue called the rivoli downtown toronto and i was there for about 3 years and i when i first started they had been around for 35 years prior to me working there and so when i started asking around hey i'm booking a place called rivoli and rivoli is a great like to me it's the best showcase room in toronto has the best sound and sight lines and i've seen tons of shows there like adele her first show in canada was there when she was developing um one of the artists i had was hosier right before he blew up like literally he left toronto after that show and played ellen DeGeneres show and all of a sudden was famous around mm. the world. Um, so, so it's a type of room where it sounds great, looks great, and I would start promoting it. And people that are in the music biz even, artists would be like, Rivoli has bands? Yeah, th- for like 35 years they've had bands, <laughs> you know, like they still don't know. And, and so um, a big thing that I really try to impress is marketing. You know, mm-hmm. this is the so if I can say one little sort of nugget, one little tip kind of thing is everybody has a chance because there's more people that don't know about you than that do know about you. And what that means Absolutely. is the potential for growth is massive, it's huge. And so a lot of times you, Artists will focus on the people they know, but they really should focus on the people that they don't know. And that's how they grow an audience. There's only so many times you can ask your friends and family to your show. If you keep hitting (laughs) up the same fans all the time, you'll burn them out. And so the growth is focus on everybody who doesn't know you. And there's so many more people out there. And and I think that's super exciting with this digital world.
0: The opportunity is absolutely there. I don't know if you've run into this yourself, Daryl, but I just have all these six monthers who are saying, "Oh, you know, if you if you're not getting results in six months, you're doing something wrong." <laughs> and I just kind of, you know, you know, facepalm, right? Um, well, it, you know, whether it's Twitter or Medium or Amazon, I'm sure there's people who who do it, even in music. You know, they they make they, they have a breakout success in some way, shape or form. But I think it's just not realistic for, for a lot of people who want to make a real go of it.
1: It's, well, it, I think what the issue is, is what results are you looking for? And I think often the results people are expecting are too, are set too high. And Mm and so they're kind of setting themselves up to not reach those results and the adverse effect is oh i didn't i didn't reach my goals it's not working and they often stop or they you know kind of get in a mental headspace of oh i'm doing everything i can and i'm not getting what i'm expecting so i think it's really evaluating the goals and results and try to line them up. And, and I talk a lot about timelines and everybody should have a 12 month timeline. And as they're mm-hmm. going throughout the year, they have to pause and look at, am I on track or not? And guaranteed for the most case, you're not either you're ahead or behind, but rarely are you like right on track um there's often things that delay things and such but then you need to adjust if you still want to hit the same goal so um there'd be be setbacks and stuff and you got to then adjust your goal to be like well i can't reach the goal i wanted to because i've been delayed 2 weeks i've been delayed a month mm-hmm. and and so you have to have that 12 month plan so that you can really assess exactly how's my business doing Am I on track and how do I adjust? And, and it's kind of like I, I've been a freelancer for over 20 years and working with a client, their deadlines rarely will change. They'll be like, no matter what, you need to have this project done by this date. And If I have a setback, yep. that meant I had to work overtime hours to still reach the deadline. So you've got to kind of also go, if I still want to hit that goal, I need to do more work. I need to really, like, maybe it's not an eight-hour day, maybe it's a sixteen-hour day, and and I've had those, um, to still hit that goal. Or can I move that goal back a month? Can I adjust it a bit? And and I think, a lot of people don't put that down on paper or figure it out, and and that affects their mental health, and it gets into this sort of swirling effect, and then it snowballs, yep. and and I think that's why we're seeing in the industry so much uh, and so many talks about mental health. Um, And that's the digital world as well, as far as a counter effect.
0: I come from the freelancer world as well. And so I totally know where you're coming from. And what I was trying to say about leadership is I'm currently in a year-long leadership and management program. And a big part of that is having these quarterly goals, setting an all out on a spreadsheet, not just like you know here's what i'm going to do it's like you're going to go into some serious detail here's the milestones i'm going to hit here's the weekly commitments that i'm making to myself and more than anything for me i've just discovered that it's a lot of conversation it's a ton of phone calls and meetings and and just getting on the horn and and texting people so that you, so that you can get them on the phone, right? Texting doesn't really lead anywhere <laughs> as far as communication is concerned. So,
1: yeah, it, it, it's true. And, and, you know, when you're, when you're trying to grow a business, um, the other reason why I say you have to have this down is that when you're going into the next year, you also have to reflect backwards and go, what worked, what didn't work? Mm-hmm. Can I fix the stuff that didn't work or should I just abandon it? because it's a waste of time. And um, I think that that's where also a lot of time is wasted, is that trying to fix something that you can't fix. One of the things I talk to artists and businesses about is a 12-month plan, and it's super important to set the goals so that you know where you are throughout the year. And And big point is that you have to have that 12 month planned out so then you can take a look at it and go, am I on track to hit my goals? And you're able to uh, assess and adjust. And, you know, I've been a freelancer for a long time and I remember working on projects where the the deadline was the deadline and the deadline is the deadline. And, and sometimes I had to work overtime hours to be able to hit it. So, if it's still you know June 15th and I'm behind, there's only so much time until June 15th to get it done. I have to mm. work over time. and I've done that. I've worked the, the, the longest I've worked probably is 50 hours in a row without a break almost um, to get a project done. And, and it's just that's yeah. what you got to do. And, and so the timeline for 12 months allows you to keep on track. And you can adjust and sometimes you have to move the deadlines back and make it 16 months. There's going to be setbacks, things you can't control. And this is where I think in the industry, a lot of mental health issues come into play because people feel they're not doing enough, they're not getting the results enough, they're not getting the feed, positive feedback enough, and they don't feel on track, but they don't know if they're even on track because they don't have a plan. and And so it's so important, but also... At the end of those 12 months, you can look back and go, here's what worked and here's what didn't work. Do I reinvest time in the stuff that's not working or is it a waste of time and I have to just get rid of it? Because I see people trying the same thing over and over and over again and five years later, it's still not working and they're wondering why. Um, Then you can kind of look at the positives. Here's what worked. Can I elevate that? And get twice the amount of results if I put just a little bit more effort into it. And, and I'm so uh, focused always on tracking results and data and, and really keeping on track. Like even when I was managing bands, mm. I built a spreadsheet and I remember like how many people were in the bar before the show, how many people were in the bar the band before your, your performance, how many people at the start of the performance, middle performance, end of performance, and even tracking well, like all of that kind of stuff to go, hmm, was there more people at the end or at the start of your show? Because if it's less at the end, that means they left and maybe got to fix that, um, you know? Um, and if there was more people for the band before then the people in the bar for when you started is probably half of there. So how many people are really here to see you? And I looked at all of those kind of touch points, uh, and we were able to kind of turn around where for almost every band that I was working with, always a capacity room, always full, right? And, and it's, it's like really honing in on the goals, what you're going to do to fix them, what are you going to do to achieve them. And if not get rid of it and, and focus on, on the mm. work that you want to do. Um, you know, I know that's a really long answer with that, but it's such an important thing because, uh, you know, mu- music business, the word business is there for a reason. And I think a lot of times, yeah. um, uh, people look at it as, as more of a, a fun thing to do, a hobby. And I'm not trying to put the artist down that, are approaching it that way. But it's like if you're here to try to make money, try to have a sustainable career, a long term career, you got to build that foundation of business to, to be able to elevate it. And, and sometimes it takes, and, and I know for me, it took a long time to learn. And, and even more so after being an artist, I, when I stopped being an artist, uh, I learned a lot more because I could focus on the business. Um, but it's the kind of thing that if you are looking to have a sustainable career, you've got to look at the business and, and what's going to work and what's not going to work. And it's not the same for everybody. You know, everybody has their own path to, to go and their own story to tell.
0: There were some killer tips in there. You know, Walt Disney was brilliant, not because he was an innovator, but because he took proven concepts, implemented them, improved upon them and removed the excess. And I think in large part, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to sculpt something as musicians and people in the music business, a product, a brand, something that people are magnetically attracted to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, with the, with so many things right now, I think it's hard for people to focus. Like, should I focus on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and there's Clubhouse, which is Clubhouse, you know Clubhouse, Telegram. and then uh, YouTube. Uh, there's Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it, where do I focus? And and I think that that's a, a lot of where people are spending time on trying to figure that out. And that's taking up more time because it didn't exist before. So, is that taking time away from creation? Is it taking time away from marketing? And and all of these kinds of things. So uh, I think everybody has to figure out what works for them and focus on that first and get rid of the other stuff and build into the other stuff when it makes sense.
0: I mean, that's definitely my domain. That's where I shine in helping artists focus on the things that matter. But the things that you said earlier would totally apply. Get out your spreadsheet, track how many likes, comments, shares you're getting, track I would more importantly track how many email subs you're getting and how many sales you're getting, and you're probably going to find those numbers pretty low in most cases. If it's working for you, keep doing it. And if yeah. those numbers are low, you got to change your focus like fast.
1: Yeah, and and you know when you keep the spreadsheets, uh, I did this with a band that I worked with from Brazil. I still would, I still technically am, but you know we're in COVID lockdowns, and Brazil's not yeah. doing well right now. Uh, they were supposed to do a tour here. Uh, literally when lockdown started. Um, mm. they've, they've come to Ontario, I think, four times, five times. And we were able to build a spreadsheet. And this is the other part. We've talked about planning, but then you start projecting. If I do this, this should be the result based off of what we've done before. And so we were mm. able to have them go from doing a few shows to... Uh, small tour of Ontario and then come back and do another tour of Ontario. This was going to be their third. And the second tour, we were able to actually like really closely project how much money they should make. And based off of the results on the first one, and you want growth. So then you figure out how can we grow this 40%. So the next time they come back, it's more money. And the next time they come back again, can we build it to 50% on top of the last one? And, And so that's how you really are able to make wise business decisions on will, based off of projections, is it worth my time, effort and money to do this, especially when you're traveling to an international market?
0: Exactly. And... I wanted to touch on mental health as well. I love that you brought it up. I've had a couple of guests on the show talk about it, yeah. and I talk about it regularly. Like if people dig in the archives of the podcast, they're gonna find me talking about some of my low points, like major breakup that happened a couple of years back, and and stuff like that. So I think there's there's something in the archives there for everyone if they're if they're looking for that. But th- that's that's super key, super key. I mean, if you're not taking care of yourself, there's no you to give. So. It really starts there.
1: Uh, absolutely, I've been through a lot myself, and and so I mm-hmm. relate. I've been there, you know. Um, you know, it, it, I I feel lucky on the experiences. I build on the experiences I have had, and you know, I joke about COVID just to try to bring light to it. You know, as far as running Indie Week, just to give a little snapshot. Uh, in in Ireland, I was there and was stranded there because there was a volcano in Iceland that went off and there was no flights for a week. So now I'm stranded in Dublin for seven days. Um, one time we had a flood in Dublin and people couldn't go from the North side to the South side. So the whole venue hopping experience was kind of uh cut in the middle you, you weren't able to actually go over it yeah. but that also meant my texts my volunteers artists that were playing in two different venues in the same night and i'm in a foreign territory and uh it's hard to find people to call because it's like you're in a foreign country um we've had whether that is basically like a hurricane and i remember a vip tent rolling down the street almost hitting cars. Um, Mm. You, you name it, we've we've had it. So I kind of go, oh, it's just a pandemic. We can get through this because, you know, I'm just adding it to the <laughs> list of things that we've kind of dealt with in running events. So, uh, yeah, it's it's you know, it, it's it's hard when you're going through it, but if you can look back at it and kind of go, well, that's experience, and and I'll be able to handle it better next time it comes around. But I'm going to be here. it to come around i'm going to be moving forward and and uh that gives you strength uh once you're able to get to that place but it may be a hard time to get there but if you can uh it gives you a lot of strength i
0: think that's key though because the conversation is mostly dominated by mainstream media if we as business owners or musicians or whatever else want to succeed during these times we almost have to have a different conversation to start communicating differently, and and really just being conscious to like what are, what exactly are you saying and how are you communicating it becomes so much more important when when the dominant narrative is be scared be scared be scared you know
1: yeah and and also we've been forced to communicate in a different way um, yeah you know there's been talks of live streaming for over a decade. I've been approached so many times at Indie Week from video companies saying, why don't we stream the show and it only costs $20,000 to get the basic package and then up from there, right? So it was very expensive before and people were very hesitant about audience or no audience and so the music industry hasn't really dove right into live streaming until now and we're forced into it and there's... You know, uh, Side Door, a Canadian company, Dan Manigan is one of the partners, I believe, uh, just raised, I think, $3 million to grow their business. Um, There's a company called Sessions. There's Live Nation is investing into live streaming. So it's it's going to be an interesting model moving forward. Do we know what it is yet exactly? No. Uh, But... It is going to be online. There is going to be stuff online even when we get back to the live space because we see now the data and we see the results that it makes sense to invest in that. Um, we can, as we said earlier, we can reach way bigger audience online and, and like there's different time zones, there's different markets, and, and the one thing is there's different populations. So, for instance, Canada's population can fit in California but online, yes. it's like we can get everybody here. And and so the potential is huge um, and it's exciting. But, you know, we've never been pushed and we've been pushed now. You have to do it online. And what it's done is I'm seeing where we went through a phase at the start of COVID of hesitation. And then now people are like, will it work if I go online? And then now they know it will work. And artists are opening up. They're, yeah. they're doing live streams, talking to their fans directly, as opposed to being that on stage and there's a barrier between artist and audience. Now it's like they're in their living room doing a live stream, talking about their songwriting and the fans are loving it. So um, it's, it's opened up communication uh, in a positive sense, I think, um, if, if you've embraced it. And I know there's others, though, who are hesitant and, and that fear is there. But uh, it's exciting to watch because because we're in the middle of change and, and like we've never seen before, uh, at least in my generation. Yes. So, again, I, I'm positive yeah. about this stuff. I'm excited. So uh, bring it.
0: I've definitely seen more news about it about live streaming especially last year there was a lot of press releases and things coming through my inbox although i'm sure i'm not the only one i miss in-person events there daryl um absolutely I miss being able to go to austin and and meet all these people that i've maybe had a conversation on on a podcast like this once or or only know their name because they email me all the time about news and updates and things like that so i'm sure you don't have a crystal ball but if you were to give a sense of when do you think things might be able to go in person again?
1: Uh, Well, in some places they are, I'm, I'm seeing on my Instagram feed, a lot of friends are touring in the States already and playing big shows. Uh, Arenas are a go in the States. Um, You know, Europe is, is opening up. Uh, I'm, I do these conference runs and, and, basically September to November, it's looking like I'm going to be overseas at conferences. So if anything, Canada, we're just a little behind and, and we'll get there and, and we're starting to catch up like Ontario kind of escalated phase three faster than expected. And, um, you know, there's still, but there's other parts of it that were held back. I saw a thing online. that's something about, um, Ontario is the last place to allow inside dining right now. It's still all patios in a lot of places. It is kind of opening up. Um, But as far as when will it get back to live, it's going to be different territory by territory. Um, Yeah. And then that affects the bigger picture of international touring. So it's really easy to book a tour, but booking flights and hotels when, quarantine not quarantine need to have passport or not like a certain id or not and all that stuff that's a question mark so yeah some businesses like artists or or agents might be holding back from booking certain territories and so then that development is affected um but here's here's one thing that i wanted to add about the live streaming aspect so hmm. let's say an artist like say Elton John, who is, I believe, was doing his sort of last tour. He now can possibly say, you know what? I'm from home, I'm going to do a concert every four months. And I don't have to go on tour. I don't have to travel. So yeah. there's a certain element of classic artists that we might actually have access to more concerts to for a longer period of time than we did before. Um, Another exciting aspect, like uh, let's say a band like Metallica, they might say, you know what? We've got 14 studio albums. Not sure if that's the right number. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, How about every three months we're going to play an album back to back? Mm. Right? Yeah. And the month in between, we're going to do that album acoustically. Now, like the options are open to be like if they went on a tour, that's like a two to four year tour and you're not going to hear new music from them. It's going to be the same tour, same set almost every night for the most of it. Um, and and fans that can't travel to where they're going on tour just don't have access to the tour. They, they can't see it. So that's the exciting part about live streaming is that the access to the artists who aren't going to tour, they could do a show online. The artists could do variations. Like I'm going to do an acoustic set. I'm going to do a full rock set. Um, so it's, it's kind of interesting to see. And, uh, from a business point, I could see that turning into a live album release on Spotify. I could see it turn into a documentary on Amazon and on mm. Netflix. And then I could see each song chopped into a video that goes on to YouTube and you get the content ID money. Uh, you could see how it, like the ideas can keep growing. And all of a sudden, it's a whole new yeah. business and growth. And I think that's where the big business stakeholders – are really looking closely at it in the background. Hmm. And, and uh, I, I've sort of said this on a few talks where in my lifetime, the media has changed. So I grew up, like I'm old and I'm going to date myself. My dad played eight tracks in the truck, right? Yeah. Which turned into cassettes and there was vinyl, which turned into CDs which turned into MP3s that you actually paid and download to which has turned into streaming. And what that has turned into is nobody owns music unless mm-hmm. they go to a store and there's less stores. And so now what's the next media after that? Right? Cause history has shown it changes and evolves. And so we're at that point where nobody owns music. What's the next phase? And so that's where I believe this digital space is really going to change things. We are seeing exciting things. Um, Some artists, you know, sharing stems and people putting up their own mixes of their music. You know, like Nine Inch Nails puts up a song and is like, you mix it. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think that live streaming has a role to play in what's the next media to gain access to music. Um, it's just got to get figured out and, and we've been pushed there. It's been elevated. It's gone faster than planned. Uh, and that's, that's where the unknowns are. Um, and you know, to kind of tie it, like I'm old, Uh, a lot of the times when we're talking about how's it going to go back, people are kind of comparing that live music. And I'm I'm, live is very important. I got to say that. I know I'm talking a lot of digital. I'm just focusing kind of more on the new stuff. But live is very important. But I grew up, and when I went to the first concert, that's your memory, and that's your, your thought. Now, kids tuning in, their first experience is a live stream and that's the next generation. And so there's going to be this change, you know, and, and I remember I was working at HMV when I believe it was a Metallic album that came out and I remember receiving it in the back room and I'm opening the boxes and I go, where's the cassettes? And, <laughs> and, and the, my, my manager's like, they didn't make them. I'm like, mm-hmm. but I like cassettes. And he's like, well, they didn't ask for your opinion. And so (laughs) a big light bulb went on is that nobody cares about my opinion and the business is going to evolve regardless or not. And, um, that's the, that's what we're seeing take place right now. It's evolving and, Some of us who really know about the live experience and not so much the digital experience might not, you know, welcome it as much. But the younger generation, man, they're growing up with TikTok. They're growing up, you know, watching YouTube videos. And they literally can go, oh, I really like Taylor Swift. Cool. Well, I've seen her performance in Connecticut, in LA, in Amsterdam, in like, it's all on youtube so that's their experience with that artist sometimes so um digital is going to be an interesting thing but we got to look at the the new generation as to where it's going to go
0: and i can agree that you know it's been a blessing in a lot of ways because the year-long leadership program that i'm taking normally there's a lot of travel involved and i'm not opposed to travel I just can see how much more intensive it could ultimately be if I wasn't able to do a lot of the calls and meetings online otherwise I'd also be driving into uh, Vancouver 45 minutes every every week at least once a week so that would add a couple hours of commute to my life every week as well so you know there's a lot of blessings in, in the efficiency side of things as well
1: yeah well in our world so, of conferencing we've been able to have higher level speakers uh, that like we had mm. the Uh, john v the head of global music for roblox for a brand Mm -hmm. new conference that we launched in uh february this year called screen by screen and we focused on ai vr streaming tech blockchain and we were able to get some real high level speakers and in the past we would have to pay hotel flight meals travel exactly all, all this stuff and and sometimes speaker fees. And in this case, they're like, sure, I've got an hour to spend online, no problem. And, and so we've, we've been able to have more diverse speakers from all different aspects of the business, from more international spaces, from different sectors. So uh, from a conference side uh, it's, it's been very interesting, you know, and, and that's going to, I, I believe it's going to be a hybrid of live and online. Uh, there's yeah. validity in both. So it's going to be very cool.
0: So I think I don't want to keep you too much longer, but to maybe finish out or round out this interview, I've got a few questions to develop your personality and also leave the listeners with some extra takeaways. Sure. And the first fun question is what was the last YouTube video you watched?
1: The last YouTube video. Oh, Mm -hmm. man, that was, I watched a whole bunch today. And I think the last one was a David Lee Roth uh, Ah. interview for when he uh, was out of Van Halen and talking about how Van Halen, the band, was slagging him. I I think that was my last YouTube video. Because either that or uh, there's a King Cobra loose in Connecticut (laughs) video that popped up.
0: I love that type of content as well. What is your daily routine like?
1: Uh, Wake up at 5.30 to 6.30. Spend about an hour online. Um, Mm -hmm. Then, uh, you know, the whole breakfast and all that for about half hour. Uh, If it's nice out, go for a walk. Otherwise, just start working. And I'm usually working by 8.00. Uh, and I go till about six to eight, so 10, 12 hour day, sometimes more. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's like, I've got my layers of depending on what day it is. Uh, I've got these sort of routines like Wednesday's my meeting day and, uh, Mm. I don't do meetings on other days if possible. Uh, Tuesdays is our indie weekly day. So I got to prepare for our live session. Um. and Wednesdays as well as c d baby meetings uh Thursdays is uh talking to artists uh, Friday is planned the next week it's it's you know pretty crazy uh I, I gotta say it keeps me on my toes
0: no doubt but yeah i do I do some of the same things. I definitely don't do calls generally uh except on Wednesdays, Thursdays yeah what are some of the greatest challenges you've experienced? hmm
1: well, uh, greatest challenges, I, I would say if it's pertaining specifically to the music industry, it, it's mm-hmm. that the industry changes, it will always change. And so if you're kind of stuck in a way of doing things and the industry changes, it's going to leave you behind. So it's a kind of thing like, uh, way back in the day, uh, we were, um, I had a community kind of record label called Gensa and, and we would do like we were a reseller of CD manufacturing and that was a lot of our income. And then all of a sudden there's no more CDs. So if you don't adapt, uh, you can be left behind. So I would just say that the business changes and you got to be adaptable. And, and really, if you can kind of try to look in the future, then you're there before it gets there and you're more well-prepared. And that's kind of my mantra these days.
0: What's the greatest victory you've experienced?
1: Oh man, there's a, there's a few, but so it's hard to have one come to light. Um, I, I would just say that the fact that I'm still here having a job in the industry that I love. And if anything, uh, My job has turned into just helping others, and and that's even more rewarding uh, than get and and to get paid for it. You know, like that's that's the bonus. But uh, yeah, just the fact still here, being able to do work in the industry that I wanted to, and I'll be honest, it's crazy that I wanted to be. I, I knew I wanted to do something in music at grade six, so. Hmm. to To have kind of evolved to that, and um, you know, I have to say, working for a CD Baby has elevated that goal and overall dream of working in the music biz. Is like I'm working for such a reputable brand and company, and again, the main goal is helping others. It's I, I sort of pinch myself every day. I'm really lucky in the position I'm in right now. Are there any
0: books that have helped you on your journey?
1: Absolutely. Four-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss is a big oh, one. good one. Um, mm-hmm. There's one called The Ultimate Sales Machine. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a really good one. Yeah. Um, and, and then there's just some others that are just sort of inspirational ones. But uh, I would say the Four-Hour Workweek was, was like I was already doing actually quite a bit of what is mentioned in it, but the book kind of just showed – Here's how you really do it better and 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 such. So it's really helped out in that aspect.
0: Yeah, it would. it's definitely formed the foundation of some of my philosophies too. Absolutely. Thanks for your time and generosity, Daryl. Is there anything else I should ask? Uh,
1: the one thing I would just sort of comment is that uh, we've got a new conference in September. Um, the Music Pro nice. Summit, MPS, uh, September 8th to the 11th. Uh, we're talking about, you know, ways to escalate your career to the next level, how to get, you know, everybody wants to be pro. And this is from being a business to an artist. Um, You know, the the phrase that we say is where art does business. Um, It's especially in this digital age, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, It's all online. Everything's recorded. So if you attend the conference, you get to see it up to six months after. Um, But the biggest point I'd say about conferences, and this is something that's really key, I'd learned this in business before doing a lot of music stuff, that reason why there's conferences is to gather with like-minded people and you learn based off of what they're saying. And you gain connections that can go past the conference that can help you further your career. You might meet a producer, you might meet a manager, you might meet an agent, you just don't know. And I'll be honest, some people will come to me, talk about any conference and going to it and they go, is it worth it? And, And anyone who asks that, I kind of sarcastically just say, you know what, stay on the couch, that's worth it. You'll meet a lot of great people that will possibly help your career, right? It's it's a thing that you gotta put yourself out there, and it only takes one person to change what's going on. And you know, I'm an example. I with Indie Week, we were like, how are we gonna grow? We did the Ireland thing, we did the UK thing, Brexit. Uh, where are we going? South America. And Mm. luckily I met somebody who's a great friend and a mentor, Robert Singerman. He was doing a present, like just so happened literally the day after I got an email, come to hear a presentation about South America. And I'm like, that's odd timing. I went and I met him and he's, he put together a trade mission that is called cab Chile, Argentina, Brazil. And I went on it. So all of a sudden I'm in, there as a speaker at these conferences, first level because of the association with Robert and Cab. So I was attending conferences in Chile, in uh, Argentina, in Brazil. I've made connections that we now have sent artists to Brazil. We're in fact, in August uh, or next week, we're taking part in Trends Connections Brazil, presenting artists online there. In August, we're doing Music Pro Awards in uh, Rio, and that or Brasilia, sorry, and that's online. We're doing Peru in November, and Chile. We're in talks with right now, Um, and that's because I met one person, (laughs) one person, and and so um, if anything. Artists should be trying to go to these online events because in cases they're really cheap in comparison to going in person or they're free and you just don't know who's going to have an impact on your career. And, and the opportunity is massive right now to make that connection that you're looking for.
0: I'm super passionate about this as well. And I would say there's always a price to higher quality contacts in the music business and the price is generally conferences yeah so go and attend conferences
1: absolutely
0: awesome and we can find you at indieweek.com
1: indieweek.com well. that's right and uh musicprosummit.com is is for the mps in september
0: perfect thank you so much it was a great interview
1: thank you this is awesome i really appreciate it yeah.
0: We just launched a new program called Elite Players All Access Pass. And what this should really be called is probably Digital Marketing Mindset and the Business of Music Academy for Musicians because that's exactly what it is. This is a new platform where you can access courses, eBooks, members-only audios, a community forum, personalized coaching, archive trainings, and more. This is a premium program that carries a premium price tag. So it's not for everyone, but if you're ready to learn more, head on over to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash elite. That's E-L-I-T-E. We are currently accepting applications, but there isn't much time left. I think there's literally a day left. So head on over to musicentrepreneurhq.com slash elite, and I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This has been episode 242 of the New Music Industry Podcast. I'm David Andrew and I look forward to seeing you on the stages of the world. Thank you for listening. Music in this episode was brought to you by Brian Young. Wherever you're listening to this right now, please consider leaving a five-star review and comment to help us get the word out about the podcast.